When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week, Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly podcast on KPRC 2 Plus and Clip2Houston.com. Approaching a year of doing these, we appreciate the following and listening or watching wherever you're checking these out each and every Friday when they drop. I'm uh, Randy McAvoy alongside Ari Alexander. A lot to get to today. Uh, a little bit later, a uh, conversation with Aaron Wilson after the OTA workout that the media was allowed to attend to this past week or during the week earlier and uh, get his takes as well on what uh, what he saw. Chancellor was with us. We'll get to that a little bit later in segment two. And in this segment, though, uh, R and I are going to talk a little bit about everything, including we're going to have some sound from C.J. Stroud, who spoke for the first time uh, the other day at the Texans OTA uh, workout. Once a week, we're allowed out there, so we won't be able to go back out there. I think Wednesday, maybe, might be the day next week. Something like that. So uh, let's start, though, with Astros. Let's jump into the Astros because uh, as people are checking this out today, Ari, the road trip continues in Oakland. Hopefully another series win or a sweep in Oakland. A little disappointing after that first win in Milwaukee. They let let it get away those last two. Yeah, I mean, it looks like all the the hits got out of those bats after the first day. Put up twelve runs and everything was great. And they do this from time to time where mm-hmm. they'll just explode for a bunch of runs because we know this is one of the best lineups in baseball, or at least it can be, uh, fairly consistently. And you know, last year quite a bit, you'd see these games where they'd win four one, four three, they'd lose five two, and then just suddenly thirteen two, and then they would you know rip off a bunch of hits. We haven't seen that this year. I think it was the first real like mm-hmm. just whooping that they put on a team yep. and then I thought it was odd that they followed it up by getting shut out back to back times by they, they crushed Corbin Burns who's a Cy Young winner mm-hmm. who has recently been one of the better pitchers in baseball though since last year's All-Star break he's been a little bit down from what he was but these guys are like like Adrian Hauser is just like a guy mm-hmm. Colin Ray is it's funny he's kind of from where I'm from he's from Cascade Iowa so when I was growing up playing high school baseball he was like one of the kids who was really really good yeah and he was out of baseball for years. He had this bad like elbow, you know, issue resulting from Tommy John surgery, and he was out of baseball for like three years. And he like went to mm-hmm. Korea and came back. And those guys are shutting out the Astros when they killed Corbin Burns. They just suddenly go quiet. I'm with you. That first game against Milwaukee, Jordan Alvarez went nuts with like five RBIs, and uh, what Jolks hit a home run. Yeah, Jolks was great. Yeah, I can't remember the whole, all the storylines from that night, but. Uh, Fromber was was big out there. Wasn't Fromber in that first game? Fromber was back home. Was that home? Who th- who threw the first? Uh... Javier. And Chris then, and Javier. Uh, You're right. You're well, it's right. funny because they yeah. lost the last two games of the series when they have their two starters who shouldn't be starting, mm-hmm. Belak and France. Yeah. But it wasn't either their fault. No, so I, I know Belak, you know, gave up a few home runs, but he went what six and two thirds, four yeah. runs is fine. His best outing. France five and two thirds gave up two runs. Like yeah. he was good, and you're losing because you can't hit when your guys, your starting pitchers, the back end who's not really supposed to be there, mm-hmm. they're doing their job perfectly fine. We we seems like we talk about it weekly and it but it's I mean it's got everybody the fans are starting to get a little uh, continue to be frustrated with Jose Abreu and like what what does this team do I mean but you, you bottom line first step is you look, hey they just signed this guy 
You can't just like go sit him on the bench. He's got to work well, it out. They're not going to send him to Sugarland. Um, but what Dusty can do is more consistently is is decide. Okay, for now, do we need to quit putting him in the cleanup spot and more yes. regularly move him down? I think you have to. Well, so the, the until he figures it out. Yeah, the way that Dusty has been kind of describing whether or not he puts him in the cleanup spot or he's in this series he put him at five below Jordan and Tucker yeah. was how many left-handed relievers does the opposite team have? So uh, the A's have a bunch apparently. So Abreu gets stuck in between the two left-handed hitters. The problem is, is that yeah. like Tucker hits lefties. Jordan is arguably the lefty. best lefty versus lefty hitter in baseball, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't really make any sense. And I like. Like I like Dusty a lot personally, and I know that you know he he knows so much about the game. But sometimes the old school mentality of like, oh, we got to protect the, the lefties. Yeah. yeah, it's like no, these specific guys crush lefties. It's fine. I mean, you could always come back to it because even Jeff Bagwell on the broadcast, he was actually on the broadcast in Milwaukee for maybe the whole series. I'm not sure, but um, I mean, you know, he was behind the signing of Jose Abreu, and he's yeah, even the legend and Mister Astro himself is getting criticized. Uh, right now, like, okay, he and Jim Crane were making these decisions. Did they sign a guy who was washed up? And he, he said on the broadcast, he said, give it, I'm, I'm, I'm verbatim, I'm not exactly what he said, but the gist of it was, give Abreu time. He's going to snap out of it. I'm not real convinced that's going to happen. Yeah, well, they're, what are they, like, best days are way behind. 50 games into the season. Once we hit 54, that means you are a third way through the season, and he hasn't hit a home run. This is a guy who won MVP three years ago. I know his power was down last year, but, like, his exit velocity was fine. It's like a rapid decline, though. Yeah, he went, like, yeah, yeah, he aged 30 years in one year. Like, he's... And it's it's like it's he, he's behind on fastballs, and that's the biggest thing you see. Where I, I keep using this, we talk about this all the time. Nelson Cruz last year was bad, but he wasn't behind on fastballs. He was just like missing breaking balls or whatever. And yeah. then this year he's back and he's fine because he had the eye right. v- vision issue fixed. Abreu's just Abreu's behind on fastballs. Uh-huh. You can't be behind he, on fastballs. And for a guy like him, and you look at him, big power. You know what used to be a power hitter guy. I'm not seeing him pull anything either. It's just, it seems yeah. like he always slaps it to right field, right center when he does get get a hit. Very rarely is he pulling the ball. But I, I don't, I'm concerned about that and what they can do at that position and in the lineup to maybe give him time, just take a little bit of pressure off because he's obviously pressing. Uh, he won't be vocal about it, but they've got to do something. Even if it's for a few weeks, just move him down, let him figure it out a little bit further down the lineup, but just make do because I think they'll still get results like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you can bring up – well, the problem is is that you sh- technically could move up Pena to two, but Pena's also not hitting, and he fits into that two spot fairly well, but he's yeah. he's kind of up and down, and he's had stretches where he'll go over 11, over 12. He's hitting 240 right now. Sometimes he's really good in that two hole, and they haven't slotted in that six seven right now just because he's not quite hitting, which yeah. is fine. But like if Pena starts getting going, you can move him into two. You can maybe drop Bregman down to five. Then you move Abreu to six. You can put Bregman at three, and you can move uh, Jordan and Tucker to four five. Mm-hmm. There are ways to drop Abreu in the lineup, but some of it does. You know, you do need a little help from Pena. Start get him going. Maybe you can stick him there too. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about, uh, for at least two or three minutes, I want to get to the C.J. Stroud sound eventually, too. Uh, the whole talk on the Rockets right now, now that the, the season's over for James Harden, there's still that buzz out there. Will he land in Houston? Pat Beverly said on his own podcast, 
he believes Hardwell, and he believes he'll be here too, <laughs> Pat Beverly, which, by the way, I think would be fans would love. Fans love Pat Beverly was here last time. Well, it makes sense. He lives uh, here. But he was convinced they're both going to be coming. Uh, good move or bad move? That's the question right now is he's definitely not the James Hardy used to be, but he's still pretty good. I think in the long run it doesn't necessarily matter. Because, like The way that I look at it, if you're a team like the Rockets where you're in a big market where you have a legitimate chance of drawing free agents and winning championships, yeah. there are one or two outcomes. Either you're contending for a title or you're terrible, right? So like there and then everything in between is just whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So James Harden is in between. He's not quite good enough to lead you to a title. He's probably too good for your team to be terrible. So it's just one of those in between. So having a strong opinion on it I, like doesn't do anything for me, right? Like, yeah, is is he the best person that they could get out of, you know, whoever he could trade for Kevin Durant or whatever, you know, like all these moves that don't actually aren't actually going to happen? Right. No. But is it a, is it like a complete disaster where having James Harden here for four years is going to tie up the Rockets so bad that four years from now they're not going to be able to put the pieces together and compete for a title? Also, probably not. Like, are you going to ruin Jalen Green's development? But no. Does he deserve? Um, you, you've heard the the dialogue out there too that he wants a four-year deal right yeah should teams commit four years to him can they get him for two probably i mean they probably shouldn't what would it it cost him and but it's harden kind of has the leverage on some of these teams so it's you probably shouldn't give him four years at the max Mm -hmm. but if that's what it takes to get harden for at least two good years or whatever then that's what you have to do and you just have to deal with it on the back end I, i i do wonder okay say they make this move uh what what are the and again you can't run your team based on what the fans think I get that part but you know he when he left I mean he wasn't really held in high regard the way he exited Houston how would he be welcomed back by the fan base and my other part to that is I don't know if you've heard the uh, podcast that Jalen Green was on he was asked about Harden and yeah he was like fifty fifty like okay maybe this would help a little bit but we are a young team and you know we need to learn on our own and so on and so forth. He wasn't, like, wild about James Harden. Kevin. Which is funny because James and Jalen have a good relationship. Yeah. And they go on Adidas trips together, yeah. and they know each other pretty well. Did you find that interesting, though? That he I was did. Like, wasn't, like, gung-ho about it, which is like, okay. Which is surprising. because they listen to him? Yeah, it's surprising because they know each yeah. other really well. Um, I don't know. It's I, I think if you want James Harden, you're going to have to pay the price for James Harden and yeah. deal with it on the back end. Uh, we'll see. I, I, the way that I talk to everyone in basketball, they all act like it's just going to happen. Like it's it's done. Like a done yet. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's been like it seems like you've been hearing that, and we've been here for months. a couple months. Yeah. It's like December. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just wonder um, the influence he would have. You know, from my take covering him, he was a me first guy. Uh, it, was he? Did he deliver and bring him to a high level? Absolutely. Did he do great in the playoffs? Not. Not when it counted most. He would lay an egg on these big games. I just wonder, with his style, what influence he'll have on these young guys. And if so, is it going to be a positive influence? Or is it going to bring him down and set him back? Can it get much worse, though? Because no. you've had Steven Silas mismanaging this team for the last few years. I, I get that. I just Everybody knows the backstory on, on, on Harden. And, you know, it didn't work out here when he, he wanted out. He's been... Two other stops didn't work out, and I don't know. With young guys, to me, you got you got to be real careful. That's all, and I'm sure they're going to think it through. So what's the what's the alternative though? Because the alternative is you could trade another direction, find other guys, and leave Harden out of the mix. That would be the 
but then you're going to be what eleventh in the and you know yeah. in the West. I think the ceiling of Harden gets the Rockets into a playing game, which at least brings might, some I mean, fans and some excitement. And no doubt, yeah, they're in the middle. Get you more wins, yeah, no question. And that's where it's like to me, it's the middle. It's you're contending or you're terrible, and we've dealt with they're terrible for three years. Mm-hmm. Harden doesn't get them to contending, but at least like they get the one slot above where they are now, or at least two mm-hmm. slots of hey, they might make the playing game. They might be interesting. Final minute before we go to break, and we got C.J. Stroud coming up in the next segment. Um, he can can Harden say, "Okay, I won't." The guy wants the wants the basketball. Yeah, that's that's the problem I'm concerned with. Is is he still going to have that approach where it hinders the? development of some of these young guys. But which which guys? Because Jalen Green might be able to play without the ball, whereas Shingun probably needs the ball, and mm-hmm. then Kevin Porter Jr. might be gone. And so yeah. it might just work out where Jalen Green becomes this really good off-ball player playing with Harden, who is on-ball. Shingun might be the only guy that's affected, which he could obviously turn into a really good player. The baby Jokic comparisons are there. Yeah. So do you have you know Harden on-ball games and Shingun games where you kind of mm-hmm. have Shingun run point and have Harden off-ball? Yeah. Otherwise, like I don't think Jabari Smith really, you know, it affects him that much. It doesn't affect Tari and some of these other guys. I feel like are not going to be here. Well, I mean, uh, there'll be a nucleus of fans that definitely welcome Harden back. There's no doubt, right? Uh, but there'll be a, a portion of the fan base that say, "Yeah, let's stay away. Let's move on." Who knows what's going to happen? It will sell tickets. Yeah, they're, and they're going to be decent. Put more butts in the seats, and uh, and they're going to win more basketball games. If they're okay with dealing with that and any potential setbacks, but maybe he can help him in some areas, and he's at the point of his career where he's ready to go that direction. And maybe the, the question is always behind him. Without Harden, do you think that at the best, like all, everything goes right for the Rockets, aside from obviously drafting Wemby? Can you win a championship in the next four years? And the answer is probably no. 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 So if you can't, better be in the playoffs. So. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't win a championship in the next four years, which is that's the issue with Harden, is he's yeah. going to stop you from having that ceiling? Then what does it matter? The Harden is at least going to raise the floor, and so I think that's what the move is. Harden raises the floor, probably gets you in the playoffs. You keep building, and then four years from now, we know your floor is like a seven seed. And then when Harden's deal is up, then the cap space clears. Your guys are better. Your young guys have developed, and now you put it together. All right, uh, we will find out in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, the James Harden of the Rockets definitely a big story in the off season to follow. If you're a uh, Rockets fan. Hey, we're going to take a break here on uh, Houston Sports Weekly. When we come back, uh, we're going to dive into some Texas talk. We'll have some sound uh, from earlier this week with uh, with rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. And we'll also uh, hear from our Texans insider Aaron Wilson for ClickToHouston.com. He was out at the media practice uh, with the uh, team the other day. Get his takes on some uh, offseason moves and some signings and health updates as well on some players. We'll dive into that. We'll take a short two-minute break, and Houston Sports Weekly will be right back. All right, welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly, weekly podcast here on Click2Houston.com and KPRC2+. Plus. Randy and Ari with you. Real quick, we're going to get to some uh, C.J. Stroud sound. Texans OTAs, way off, over 100 days away from the opener, but 
Good to see some football out there. Yeah, it's nice to see these guys working out. There's nothing that anyone should get super worried or excited about. Uh, whoever quarterback is taking reps one, two reps, that doesn't matter. It's right. like the first week of OTAs. Everybody relax. However, if we get into like September and Davis Mills is taking the first snap of week one, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, late preseason is what I care about. Right. Like, where are things practice-wise going in that opener with Baltimore? Hey, C.J. Stroud spoke uh, earlier this week at the uh, open media session at OTAs. Spoke for the first time since being drafted. Uh, let's uh, listen in to some of that conversation for a couple of minutes. Texans rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Check that out right now. Uh, that's a blessing. Um, it's, it's been something uh, that I definitely uh, knew that I, I, I knew that I needed it. Uh, just that guidance and that uh, confidence that they've had because they've both played in the league, been starters. Um, so they've been very helpful, um, have been uh, very appreciative and very supportive of everything. We have constant communication on and off the field. So, I mean, it's been, it's been really great. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's been going great. Uh, we've been hanging out uh, in the hotel, just going over scripts, uh, getting the plays down together. It's, it's great to be not only just by myself in this, but with great a great rookie class, uh, not only just football players, but human beings. Uh, so Tank has done a great job, very vocal, uh, wants to be better, uh, wants to know what we like so he can run the route a certain way, wants to get right with the coaches. So he's just very, very um, – in tune to what we want, and he wants to just be great. So it's, it's amazing to be around somebody who's very like-minded. The one thing that kind of sticks out for me is just keep the main thing the main thing. Um, if you take care of football, then everything will take care of itself. So uh, right now, just trying to really just focus on ball, everything else. I'm trying to uh, do my best to have people figure things out for me and, of course, trust people on my team and things like that. But for right now, man, it's just really for me football. I'm here all day, every day, and just trying to get better. So um, that's what – Probably the, the, the best advice I've gotten so far is just keep the main thing the main thing. CJ, what's your relationship been like so far with D'Amico and feeding off the energy he's bringing? Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a young coach who uh, knows how it is to play in this league and play for the Texans. So he knows a lot about the city of Houston, knows what comes with playing here. And, I mean, he's just been great, uh, very vocal. Um, he's really funny, too. So, like, it's cool to have a coach that's not all stuck up all the time or, like, super mad. So, uh He's been amazing, though. Uh, very transparent. Uh, communication has been great. So, um, yeah, he's going to be a great head coach. Hi, everybody. Hello from NRG Stadium, Methodist Training Center. Randy McAvoy, Chancellor Johnson, and our Texans insider for ClickToHouston.com, Aaron Wilson. Uh, great to see you. We have had OTAs underway here today. And, uh, guys, we had 20 minutes to watch the guys, but a lot more guys than we saw during uh, rookie camp. <laughs> it was good to see the veterans out there, all they were missing a few, and we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, you saw all the quarterbacks out there, all the receivers, uh, every position uh, was pretty much active today. But all eyes were on what many people believe, not many people, should be the QB1, C.J. Stroud. Right. We saw him uh, alongside Davis Mills and, um, and of course, Case Keenum there. Um, Davis Mills got majority of the first team reps. Obviously, it's only she was still May. We haven't got to Memorial Day yet, right? Um, but but we could always have fun with it. Of course, it, right? of course. But something else that I'm looking forward to is the wide receiver room and how it develops over the course of you know this next offseason with you know a lot of young guys there. Xavier Hutchinson, the rookie, Tank Dale, uh, Robert Woods being the veteran now, kind of taking over that role that Brandon Cooks had last year, um, and, and so on. So that's kind of the things yeah. that I'm watching on over the next you know couple weeks or so. Yeah, everybody was sharing reps. It was uh, it was Stroud, it was Mills, it was Case Keenum. 
uh, thrown to some receivers. Again, they're not even in pads or anything like that. But uh, what, what were you? What'd you see out there that you liked? Right. So my impressions. I see a nice natural throwing motion from CJ Stroud. Kind of what you'd expect from him coming from the Big Ten Conference. Very precise passer. There is no pass rush, so we don't make any lasting judgments on these things. But well, Super Bowl, you're not calling Super Bowl yet? <laughs> not just yet. Maybe I will wait for August. And he just looked smooth to me, and you know the quarterback pecking order, and yeah, just this isn't a surprise. There have been inquiries about trades for Davis Mills, and they were told, from my sources, unavailable. So Davis Mills, mm-hmm. for now, he is QB one. Just how long will he be QB one? I think eventually a changing of the guard under center. All right, uh, we saw some receivers out there. Tank Dell was out there. I, I, I've kept an eye on him for a few of those drills. He's a little guy, but man, that guy is fast. I mean, absolutely, I think his one of his best attributes and, and the skill set that will translate at the next level is his separation, his, his route running. Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of years, when he was at University of Houston, he led the country in receptions and receiving touchdowns. Uh, the guy can play, but obviously size is a little bit of concern. He had a drop earlier, but he, he made up for it the next uh, the next play there in seven on seven reps. But I'm excited to see how Bobby Slowick kind of gets him going within the offense. Right. When you yeah. think about Tank Dell, one of the things that's going to be really telling. We won't know this until we get into contact drills. How does he escape from press coverage? Do they have to put him in motion because he is 165 pounds? But yeah, everything I'm seeing from him is just the same as when we were at his workout with his trainer. Just very sudden, very explosive. And like Chancellor says, when he makes a mistake, he tries not to make the same mistake twice. If you guys are missing a little roll call here, John Mechie the third, unfortunately strained his hamstring. Fortunately, he's making a good comeback from leukemia that sidelined him his entire rookie season. Still on track for training camp. And a lot of guys are still out with injuries. Hassan Ridgeway and uh, Thomas Booker also with soft tissue injuries. And then you have Kenyon Green coming off arthroscopic knee surgery this offseason. Yeah. Has gotten in better shape, and I think he's on track for training camp. Maybe we'll see him at some point this spring. And then guys that are veterans, their prerogative, it's voluntary. Laramie Tunsil, Steven Nelson, Dalton Schultz, all not here. Yeah, well, quote, uh, voluntary. It is voluntary. Well, yeah. well, Aaron, what's your workout plan? Maybe you can help out Tank Dale go from 165. <laughs> you look like you've been oh, in the gym. Man. Man. Can, you, can you help him out a little bit? or what? He can have some of my weight. <laughs> I'd love to give it to him. I try to get down again, uh, lose a few, and yeah, been eating too well. But yeah, for Tank, I think don't bulk up at all. Just stay exactly like you are because we're not talking about a 4-2, 4-3 guy. If anything, at 4-4-9 at 165, you wish he was even faster. But he's all about quickness, twitchy, and you can't teach the routes that he can run. But yeah, Tankdale, an exciting player. And then we're just kind of looking at these guys. We're watching, looking for other things to emerge. Just looking over the running backs. Damian Pierce looks awful good. And having him back, a Pro Bowl alternate last season, I think that's the biggest part of this offense. Maybe he's the centerpiece. And by the way, you're, you're already sweating a lot. We're in the, the weight loss season here. And now that we're in OTAs and uh, hitting into the dog days of summer, I think we'll all lose a few pounds, huh? Hey, uh, what, do we, what do you guys take? And, I'll, you know, we, we come out here and they're doing simple drills, nothing special. We're just kind of doing the, the eyeball test, really, when, kind of our takeaways when we're talking about OTAs, for sure. For sure. You know, for me, the biggest thing is, are the guys in shape so far, the guys who yeah. did decide to show up? And also, too, look at some of the rookies, right? How do they adjust to just the way they run things at the NFL level? Looking at C.J. Stroud, that throw in motion, uh, in 707, I was actually talking to another reporter about it, like, is he willing to push the ball down the field with no pressure, right? Are guys able to get open when they're not being pressed up? So that's the little, little things, because once again, like, there's no pads, right? This is still kind of just the acclimating process of the offseason. So those are things that I'm kind of watching on really early on. Absolutely. And you think yeah. about what you're looking for. 
looking for combinations who plays where mm -hmm. and how does this look and one thing we did come away with this Davis Mills took the first reps and I think that's not only symbolic but it's just literally he is still the QB1 and they're not just going to hand this job to CG Stroud you're going to have something of a competition or him proving himself with some boxes he needs to check during the preseason we're a long way away from them declaring him as a starter and I, I kind of think it's even like during mini camp OTAs, it's going to. I think it's going to stay the same. I don't think we're going to see any movement until we get into the the main training camp in late July. Preseason games will be really telling, and I think at some point, I would imagine Davis Mills would start against New England. But at yeah. some point, maybe we see CJ start and see how does he look with the first team offense. Then maybe it's see separation. All gauging: can he start against the Baltimore Ravens, or does Davis Mills start against the Ravens? That's what we're looking for. I would not be surprised at all if it is Davis Mills on week one when they take on the Baltimore Ravens, especially on really? the road, especially really? on the road like that, you know, because if a guy's not ready, you don't want to kill a guy's confidence early. So, mm -hmm. you know, now it would be a great – if C.J. Stroud is the quarterback, you know, in, in week one, that's a great sign because that means he did something right. But knowing everything that I know about Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan, who, of course, is calling the shots, you know, I don't think they're just going to throw that guy in there really early because, mm -hmm. like I said, it can actually damage a quarterback if, he's, if he throws in there way too early, especially against, you know, a defense like the talent that a, a Baltimore Ravens team type has. Yeah, mentally it can take a toll, it man. If, if you're lost still in the mm -hmm. offense, you're taking hits and don't know where you are. Uh, hey, it's uh, OTAs. It's we're, we're allowed out here, what, once a week over the next couple of weeks before they get to mini camps. Mandatory mini camp is uh, the 12th and 13th, I believe, 13th, 14th, something like that of June. Then we'll see hopefully some more faces out here that aren't out here during OTAs. But I don't know, guys. It's good to be out here watching a little football. Even though there's no pads, they got it on. They're, they're, they're doing football things out here. It's hot. <laughs> That's my takeaway. <laughs> That's a big take today. I looks, agree with you. Looks like I'm hot, too. <laughs> All right, Texas rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud uh, meeting with the media earlier this week uh, after an OTA workout. I really like the fact that he's, uh, you know, he's leaning on some of these veteran receivers like Robert Woods. And you know, in fact, Woods is in these quarterback meetings, which is pretty cool listening in as well. So he's just trying to get on the same page and soak it in hanging around guys like Case Keenum and Davis Mills. He gave credit to both. Yeah, it's good to, to see him learn. From, you know, Case Keenum's been in the league forever. Yep. He's got some veteran receivers. He probably needs more veteran receivers. Absolutely. Yep. He probably needs more weapons. I like Dalton Schultz. Robert Woods is probably not a wide receiver one, but he's going to have to be. Mm -hmm. And then maybe Tank Dell turns into a, an absolute weapon. Tank Dell, watching him at practice, by the way, man, he's so little out he's there. He's quick. He's fast. And uh, who was it? Uh, Davis Mills in his interview Gave a shout-out to Tank, said, man, this guy's got speed and he can cut like he hadn't seen in a while. So he gave high high marks to Tank Dell. And I like watching the Hutchinson run some routes, too. Man. It's kind he, of a big kid, yeah. Too, so. yeah. All right, so that is the latest on this week's uh, Houston Sports Weekly podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Weighed in on the Astros, James Harden, and the Texans. Hearing from C.J. Stroud. We'll do it again next week and every week here on KPRC2 Plus and click to Houston.com. For Ari, I'm Randy. We will talk to you next time.